welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Thank you, Beecher. Thank you so much, Aiden, for that. So it's always exciting. Aiden got baptized on Wednesday. So, and that is always exciting. Serve the Lord and with believers' baptism, especially during revival with everything. So we are glad you're here, our evening worship service. I hope you have your Bible. If you don't, you want to pull out a pew Bible because I want you to follow along. I believe today's message is going to be important. All messages are important, but this is important because this lays a foundation for so much in our Christian life. We're going to turn our Bibles and we're going to read the first four commandments. The Ten Commandments are found in two different places in Scripture. We're going to be looking at the Scripture in Exodus chapter 20. They're also found, you don't need to turn there, they're also found in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy is a summary book of the other books that were written by Moses. But we're going to be looking at what we call the first four. First four that comes, if you follow NCAA basketball, they have the first four of the teams that are trying to get a final spot there and kind of a play-in for the getting... It started out 64, now it's 68 teams. And those first four trying to, uh, trying to get in those final few spots there. So the first four of the Ten Commandments are important because it shapes so much of our relationship with God. And when we get these four commandments right, and I want to tell you why the Ten Commandments are so important. So much of Jesus' teachings are based on the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is God's law for holiness and His expectations for us. And the sad thing is a lot of folks don't know the Ten Commandments. Even some, unfortunately, some believers don't know. This is why it constantly should be preached and taught about learning these commands. So we're going to be looking here. I don't want to read everything at once. We're going to read the first first command, then we'll talk about it. Second one, and we're going to go uh, so forth. So you have your Bible, Exodus 20 verse 1. Then God spoke all these words. He's speaking these words, the Bible tells us, to two people. We are on what we call the mountain of God, also known as Mount Sinai, also known as Mount Horeb. Those are all the names for this. Now what's interesting about this is we always think Moses was up there alone, but Moses wasn't alone. Moses had an assistant. His assistant was Joshua. And we won't turn there, but it actually tells us in, uh, later on in four chapters from here, uh, Exodus 24, 12 through 18, that Joshua was with Moses and went up the mountain of God. God came down in a cloud for 40 days and 40 nights, a long period of time, and he spoke these commands. What's also powerful about the Ten Commandments, it confirms the Lord, His sovereignty, His holiness, He wrote with his finger the Ten Commandments on the front and the back of stone tablets. He used two stone tablets. He wrote the front and the back, the Bible says. Where do you find that? Again, we don't need to turn there. That's in Exodus 31, 18. God has made it very clear that he expects his people to follow these commands. And much of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually went about supporting, and we find all of these commands except for one in the New Testament. So nine out of ten of the, nine-tenths of the Ten Commandments were affirmed in the New Testament. 
And later on, we're going to come to what the one that is not affirmed. And I'll explain why. That's actually going to be here tonight. We'll see. Verse 1, Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The, God's reminding them, I have brought you, I have delivered you. You are my people. Because you're my people, I expect you to follow my laws, my commands. This is what you are to do. So commandment number one, do not have other gods besides me. Do not have other gods besides me. This is important because the Ten Commandments here is telling us there's one God, only one God, only one true God. There are no other gods. We don't even put them beside God. There's no place in our life for another God. We are not practicing polytheism. Polytheism is what you would see in Hinduism. Hinduism is multiple gods. There's a god of, of everything. Polytheism was rampant all during the time period of the Bible. From the Canaanites, that's what the Ashtara poles were. Gods to fertility, gods to the moon, the sun. And all the way in the New Testament, when Paul was there in Greece, he was, they, were, they were praying to Zeus. Studying Greek mythology is useless. These are not gods. These are man-made gods. And the Bible's telling His people, us, this is not for you. You don't need to learn the Greek gods. That does not help you in life. That is, studying a sundial to that god is not going to be uh, advantageous for you. And God is what He's doing is he's preparing his people so that they will see he is holy. So he gets Joshua, who's the assistant. And this is why it's so important throughout our life. When you go out and do something, and you're not teaching and training and showing someone else what to do, you're not discipling, you're not mentoring, you don't have an apprentice with you when you do something, you're missing that opportunity. Think about the folks who invested in you growing up in church. You come along and someone shows you what to do. I'll give you all a perfect example of this. Sherry and I use Walmart pickup. I'm sorry, let me clarify that. I use Walmart pickup. She places the order. I go do the pickup. This past week, it was a busy weekly revival. We do Walmart pickup. This is convenient. I don't have to walk in the store and actually buy groceries. I'm totally so They put the groceries in your car for free. Now, the problem with Walmart pickup, though, if you've ever used it, or Kroger click list, is many times they have something called substitutions. Substitutions means they give you something similar that you didn't really want. But you have the option to um, reject it, supposedly reject it. So this past week... We've got these substitutions. I didn't want any of the substitutions. I tell the guy put in the car, I want to reject all the substitutions. Well, apparently, you know, anywhere you go in the world, there's now hiring signs. That means everyone is a trainee at every place you go to. No one knows how to do anything anymore. So Walmart, I mean, I, I think he actually told me it was his first day. First day on the job. 
He told me he didn't even know how to use the little machine. I think he wanted me to look at it. So take a look, see if I could figure it out how to do the rejections. Well, what happened was I got charged for these rejections. Well, he pulled them out. Then he walks away and goes, whoa, 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 sir. You just, I just paid for this stuff, and I don't even get it. He says, well, would you like me to give it to you? No, I don't, I don't even want it. Like this, you're, I, I don't want Rejection means I don't, um, uh, you, I don't want the items. This is when I order. He said, sir, I think there's a 1-800 number here that you need to call, and you can give yourself, so I, I don't want a refund. Or so I don't want to call a number. Just give me a refund on the little machine. So, oh, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Let me go get a manager. The manager comes out. Jerry, the man had been working there a week. I mean, that's how long, I mean, literally, he was brand new, too. He's, he says, you know, I don't know how to do a refund. <laughs> that's what the man told me. So he was the supervisor. He was learning as well, because everybody's new. These children are 16, so they're like junior's age, 16, 17 years old, helping just sweet boys. I say, did, did they, and I'm kind, but I said, guys, did they never train y'all how to use any of the handheld devices? I said, no, we, we, we don't get any training around here. You know, we just... We, they literally are so shorthanded. This is what they're telling me. Said, you know, the, you, they just need people to help b- put buggies, pick the buggies and pick the groceries and put it in there and check out. So you just call the way 800 number. So I went and called the way 800 and got that refund. But I sit there and think about that. That happened because folks just literally, they were nice guys. They just hadn't been trained. I'm sure they could learn. They were competent young men. But this is what happens when we don't invest in people coming behind us. There's nothing wrong with teaching. You, you have a kind, compassionate attitude towards it. Moses was teaching Joshua. Do you know who followed Moses' leadership? It was Joshua. Joshua was the one to take the people into the promised land. Because he had been invested on invested in for 40 years by Moses. He knew the commands of the Lord. He knew the law, and he knew how to lead the people. Mentorship, discipleship, teaching, training, this has great value. Do you know? Do you know why there's so few young people in churches today? We can, I can quickly answer this question. Everywhere you go, this is a problem. Because when young people are growing up, when they're teenagers, if their moms and dads and grandparents don't bring them and teach them the Scriptures and teach them how to be saved and train them in the things of the Lord and have daily devotions and teach them the Bible, guess what happens? They grow up and it's Sunday and they're watching TV. They're catching up on homework. They're, have, they're working a side job. They're doing anything but in God's house. And we're going to come to the Sabbath here. And that's, you can't fault these children because they don't know they were not taught. They did not know any better. They've never been to church. I want to tell you something. Ronnie Hill, this past week, do you all know, one of the police officers told us, do you know our intersection right, right there is the busiest, not one of, the busiest in our state. That's what we found out. I mean, literally, I'm just watching car after car. New Circle Road, Harrisburg Road, pass. I mean, we've got it all. Just, it's a traffic jam right here. 
you're, not, you're always going to see some traffic here in front of our, our church. In this entire commonwealth of Kentucky, you could not have a better location for a church than Broadway Baptist Church. Could not have. But do you know this week, Ronnie and I, we went somewhere, and we invited someone to Broadway Baptist Church that lives here in the city. Do you know what? They don't even know where we're at. They had no clue where our church was. They knew where the intersection was. I told them exactly. Harrisburg Road, Newsor. Oh, yeah, we, I know where that's at. Sitting, light, sitting traffic there. But they did not know our church. I bet every day there's hundreds, if not thousands of people drive by the church and don't even notice us. Have no idea about our presence. And you can't fault them. That's not their fault. There's a million different signs. There's all sorts of different buildings. People are distracted. They're doing other things. Shouldn't be, but they are in the car. And the, and the Bible's telling us that in our personal lives, we serve the Lord God. Yet if we aren't careful, we will find ourselves distracted with other things. God expects His people to worship Him. That's what the first commandment is. We are to worship the Lord and the Lord alone. And when we aren't doing that, we are in rebellion. This is the greatest commandment, actually, that Jesus affirmed. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number one, and that's what the first commandment is. Number two, keep going here in your Bible. That's the first commandment there. No other gods before me. Look here at verses four through six. Here's our second commandment. This commandment here comes with a warning for multiple generations. It's the only command that warns us about multiple generations. And I'm going to tell you, the second commandment really tripped up the Israelites. And I believe it gets a lot of folks here today. Verse 4 says, Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, or in the earth below, or in the waters underneath the earth. Do not bow down and worship to them. And do not serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Bringing the consequences, look at this, this is the only command that says this. Bringing the consequences of the Father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. This, this command here, this second command, is the sin of idolatry. This is when we worship an idol. Or we don't even have to realize we're worshiping an idol. What we have, we have done is we have placed this idol. We don't consciously worship it, but we've placed it at the same importance of God in our life. And there's many idols of our hearts. And I'm not going to sit up here, stand up here and list every single idol. You could think about all the different idols going on here today. All around us. Idols is something that we unconsciously, we, we put at the same level of the Lord. He's, it's, it's right up there. And we shaped it with our hands. But there's a problem with uh, worshiping an idol. And here's why. What idolatry does is it confuses the creator and the creation. Things of this world are great. God created everything. Phones are great. 
technology's great, uh, medical care, travel, eating out. There's all sorts of great things. Fixing up your house, whatever you do. These are good things. There's nothing wrong with these things. But the problem is, these are what we call the creation. The Lord created these things, or He allowed other people to create these things. Through science, through math, which He's created, He's allowed technology to occur. But when your, when your things become, a, a create this confusion with the Creator, that is when we have an idol. I want to tell you something. Have you ever seen someone who really likes football? Or you could pick any sport or activity. And they'll make a statement. And I don't think they realize what they were do, they're doing. They do this on social media. Or they enjoy going to the beach. Or they like mountain hiking. Or whatever they do, travel. And then they'll make a statement, I was born for this. This, I was created for this. Whatever their favorite activity is, they claim they were made or they were born for fill in the blank. That's a dangerous statement. That's dangerous because that's not what we were born for. God didn't create us to do things just for the sake of filling our pleasure through life. Living a life of happiness to make us happy. No, He created us for Him. We were born and created for God. That, that's, that's our Creator. That's what's most important for us. And what we, what we have to uh, be warned about this, this is what we call a generational sin. Meaning, people who practice idolatry, people who do this, who pass on their favorite hobbies or interests to their children, are actually punished. Let me illustrate it. My dad, I'll just pick on him since he's not here. And I actually didn't acquire this desire. I'll follow a little bit. My dad loves English Premier football. In case you don't know, that's soccer in England. He follows every single team. He loves soccer. For whatever reason, he loves English Premier soccer, which is good. But let's just say, I'll pick on him, let's just say he, when I was growing up, and it wasn't really this bad. This is what retirement does to you. when you, I guess you have more time to focus on it. But when he was working, it wasn't that bad. But he liked soccer. like watching on TV. It's a great sport to fall asleep watching. It can be boring sometimes. So for if, if, if you don't follow the game that well. But let's just say he was a fanatic about it. And I was a young man. And my dad wanted to go to all the soccer games. He wanted to take me out to the soccer field. He wanted me to play soccer all the time. And it consumed our life. And then I grew up, and I knew everything about soccer. Where did I learn this from? But I learned so much and spent so much time devoted to the game of soccer. It actually hindered my relationship with the Lord. Because I didn't go to church. This is for example, I did go to church. I didn't go to youth group. Maybe didn't go to VBS, didn't have time to come to Revival. You couldn't do these things. You couldn't come to Sunday school because you're playing soccer all the time. What God is telling us, generational sins, if you have parents that love their idols, whatever their things are in their world, and they, they have their family totally entrenched in what they're doing, they pass it on their children, and you're punishing your children 
your grandchildren, the fourth generation too, your great-grandchildren suffer the consequences of adultery. That's why it's so dangerous. God is telling you need to pass on to future generations your love and passion for the Lord, not for the things of this world. And the things of this world can be anything. Anything. That man that goes out on the lake every single weekend and brings his family. He's actually, if he's not careful, he's cursing his family doing that. That person that goes hunting during hunting season is constantly missing time with church and the Lord. What are they doing? You've got mom and the kids or grandkids and dad's not there to bring them to church. It's easy to miss. You've got families where really they're, they're broken over hobbies and little interest. And they're good. These aren't necessarily bad things. But what it's doing is it's, it's refocusing your attention that should be on the Lord to something else. And God is saying, my people, my people do not need to confuse creation, things, and the Creator. It's a generational sin. I want to tell you, flip over here. There's only extra scripture we're going to look at. Keep your fingers here in Exodus chapter 20. Turn over your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Idultery is such a dangerous sin. People who practice this sin actually do not go into heaven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. While you're turning there, I want to tell you about, from my experience, three great idols of today. And here they are. Number one is comfort. We all like comfort, but comfort can become an idol because you want to be comfortable. You want to do things that, make, that please you, that makes you happy. And that isn't always the godly Christian life. What innocent does, innocent is hard going down there. You know you're going to the farmer's market to do street ministry and you're going to meet opposition. You are. You know it's going to happen. You know, it would be very easy to think, oh, I've got these other things. I've got to cut the grass. I've got to take care of this and that. There's some things around the house. Oh, I've got a deacon's meeting. Whatever you can do to get out of it. It's that, it's that comfort. Listen, following the Lord, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not. Coming to revival is tiresome. Cooking and preparing for worship. You're preparing your hearts, going through 40 days of prayer. That's a commitment you're making. Knowing that comfort, comfort, consumerism. Gosh, this is everywhere for us. This is this lie that all, all of our lives, think how much time you spend watching advertisements. That's online, that's on the radio, that's on TV, it's on movies, it's on streaming. Now, you cannot get away from ads. Nowhere. Do you know those little video games? That our children play share. You know, they have ads on the video. These are like games. You, I bought the game. I'm still watching an ad on the game. You, that is our life. That's consumerism. We're constantly being told, you need this. And God is telling you, no, you don't need that. You need me. That's his response to that. Not only consumerism, comfort, consumerism, and this is deceitful, but nostalgia. Remember the good old days when things were better? We can reminisce on the past, 
how much better America and church life and family life and everything is better in the past. When you had better friends, you had better marriages, you had better people. I mean, you just fill in the blank. Any and every. You have better pastor, whatever you want. And that's another sin we have to avoid. Because God is telling us He is the same God today, yesterday, and also tomorrow. The Lord is our God. He can do all of these things. Nothing has changed with Him. I, the Lord, He says in Malachi chapter 3, do not change. Look here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. God's Word says, this is what happens. This is the danger of idolatry. God's Word says here, Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. So we don't need to fool ourselves. No sexually immoral people. Idolaters. There it is. Idolaters. Adulterers or males who have sex with males. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. And some of you, look at this, used to be like this your old life, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what salvation does to you. When someone gets saved, they are washed, sanctified, and justified. That is a picture of salvation. When someone trusts in Christ as their Savior, God forgives them of their sin. People who practice idolatry do not go to heaven. That's how serious of a sin this is. Remember, what is idolatry? It's confusing creation with the Creator. Flip back in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Number three. This is something that's all around us. And if we aren't careful, we will find ourselves committing the third commandment. This is what, why it's so dangerous for some of the garbage that is on TV and movies we watch. And it should absolutely, you should fall under conviction when you're watching this. Number three, it tells us, do not misuse, verse 7, 27, chapter 20, verse 7. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone un- unpunished who misuses his name. Your KJV says, do not use the Lord's name in vain. You're watching a movie, you're listening to somebody at work or school, and they use the Lord's name in vain. That is wrong. And that person, they will not go unpunished. God will punish the person who does that. What is the Lord's name? God reveals to us, we're not going to turn to the scripture, but in Exodus chapter 3, 13 through 15, God said his name is I am. It's Yahweh. That is, that is what we call in the Bible. Why? Literally, if you ever see the word Lord in capitalized in your Old, your old and New Testament, that's the word Yahweh being used. That is spelled Y-H-W-H. They put it because there are no vowels, in it, Lord's name, name, Bible scholars put an A and an E and pronounce it Yahweh. This here is such a sacred name, many Jewish people, even today, will not pronounce this. So when they're reading the scripture, they will actually pause and skip the name of the Lord because they do not want to misuse the Lord's name. That's why it's wrong, and it's uh, dangerous for us to make sure we do not find ourselves 
cursing God and unknowingly listening, paying for movies and TVs, shows. And they're misusing the Lord's name. This breaks the third commandment. Do you know what's also interesting about this name? Um, when we misuse the Lord's name, is actually attacking God's character. That's why he will not allow us to go unpunished. Because what you're doing is you have actually, when you misuse the Lord's name, you're attacking the attributes of God, how holy and what makes him a sanctified, perfect God. And he does not like it. Every mention of the Lord out of our mouths should be in the highest authority and with reverence. It should not be one casually. This is a serious sin. God's name is holy. It's pure. God's name saves us. Say, why is this so important? I want to tell you why. God, remember, the temple, remember when God told David that he wasn't going to build the temple, that he doesn't even need a temple, but his son Solomon would build the temple, but he really doesn't need a temple to live in. God does not live in a temple. So, he doesn't live in a building. He doesn't live here on earth. How do, where does he live? He lives, when we talk about the Lord, he lives in a name. We can pray and worship the name of the Lord. Listen, by the name of Jesus, listen, it's so important. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. God isn't a thing, part of creation on earth. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. We approach Him. He doesn't need a building. We don't house God. We don't bring Him into revival saying, all right, our revival is in October, God. Put it on your calendar. That's not how the Lord works. That's why His name is set apart and it's so holy. That's why there's a reverent spirit when we speak about Him and talk about Him. Because when we don't, when we don't do that, it's, it's cheap. That's why endless oaths. You should not swear by the Lord's name. Jesus warns us about that. Just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Otherwise, you're defaming the Lord. Because that's, that's, since he doesn't live in a building, that's all we have to talk about God. It's his name. Our responsibility as believers, based on the third commandment, is to protect and to honor the Lord's name. Number four. Last one for this evening here. Look at verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, or male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who's within your city gates. Meaning everybody gets a Sabbath off. No, even the slaves, the animals, they get a break. Therefore, the Lord, for the Lord made, verse 11, for the Lord and you notice the word Lord is capitalized there? That's Yahweh. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, 
And it's, this is the one command that was not affirmed in the New Testament. I'm going to explain why. There's a reason. The Sabbath day, remember God doesn't change. Saturday is the day the Lord took a Sabbath. The day, according to the Bible, day one of creation was on Sunday. And then he went through six days. Man was created on Friday. And then on, on Saturday, the Sabbath, is when God rested. We get to the New Testament. The early Christians would go and worship in the Jewish synagogue there on Saturday, the Sabbath. But then they also worshipped on Sunday because Sunday was called the Lord's Day. We don't have time to turn there, but that's in Acts 20, verse 7. That's in John 20, 19. We see all this. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. That's called the Lord's Day. Sunday is the Lord's Day because of the resurrection. Jesus was raised on Sunday. Sunday was day one of creation. Day one of creation, let there be light. Who's the light? Who came out of the grave? Jesus came out of the grave. This is God's master plan. This is not by accident. We come to worship on day one, let there be light, because Jesus came out of that grave on Sunday morning. So the Sabbath, technically, is not Sunday. The Sabbath, when you use that word, you are talking about Saturday. The Lord's Day is Sunday. But the Bible tells us here that we are to remember the Sabbath. For six days, God did all His work. He rested, and He declared it as holy. Today is what we would call the Lord's Day. Today is our day of rest as Christians. We come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, to honor and remember the Lord. We, the reason why we are here is we are imitating God. If God rests on the Sabbath, He took a day off, then we are to do the same. The animals aren't to do work. Sunday's not for catch-up day. Sunday's the Lord's day. It's a day that we are devoted to the Lord. We see this occur in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He took that time, and he says, I'm going to rest, therefore my people will also rest. The fourth commandment is one that tells us that we are, therefore, the Lord blessed, look at this, blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. It's the only day of the week that is blessed. God made this day for us to have rest and to remember Him. We all, some of you might remember, the blue laws. And there was once a time, probably 60 years ago now, when everything, except for people who wore blue uniforms, it was closed. Everything was closed. You could not do anything on Sunday. In fact, many of you would do your cooking on Sunday on Saturday. Saturday was preparation day for Sunday. I mean, it was a time of preparing. In the old days, when evangelists would come in town, they didn't stay in hotels. They would stay in your homes. And different people would cook for them each night. You'd have them over for dinner after the service. I mean, it was just it was a totally different idea of, of not staying in hotels and going to restaurants. But it was done that way 
because restaurants weren't open on Sunday. There was a time of rest and focus on the Lord. Do you know why there's Sunday night church? Because it's a day we even see in the book of Acts what the Christians were worshiping in the evening as well. They worshiped in the morning and in the evening. There was Sunday night church. In fact, in the book of Acts, one time Paul was preaching so long, Euphilus, he fell out of the window and died. Paul brought him back to life. Uh, he appeared to be dead, the Bible says, but he just kept on going and going and going. That was a Sunday night service. And it, it just continued on. But for us, we as 2021 Christians, how do we honor the Sabbath and the Lord's Day? You make it a priority that this day, Sunday, is your day that you devote to the Lord. And you guard that time. Because I want to tell you, the devil, other priorities, will pull you away from being here in God's house. I promise you. If you do not make this your first priority on Sunday, someone or something else will. There's one million and one other things you could be doing right now. But God wants you in His house on His day. And this didn't come from me. This isn't because I want a lot of folks to preach to. This is what the Lord says. If you go back here, I want to read to you. Last scripture. You don't have to turn there. I want to read the scripture to you. Genesis chapter 2. This is day 7. So on the heavens and the earth, and everything in them were completed. So there's a sense of completion. On the seventh day, God had completed His work that He had done. He wasn't a procrastinator. He finished His work. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day. The only, only day is blessed. And not only that, he declared it holy. Only day is declared holy. For he rested for all the work of his creation. And he's doing this for us. Because I want, he knows if he did not designate a day of rest for each of us, he knows some of us would literally work ourselves to death and forget about Him. It's, it's possible to do. You can be so busy, so consumed with what you think is important, you will live a life of forgetting about the Lord. You're doing a lot of good things. You might be making a lot of money, but that's not what God wants for you. God wants us to remember the Sabbath day because it's holy. Today's a holy day. It's the Lord's day. We'll lead us in a prayer. We're going to have our invitation. We'll call you to respond to the gospel. God, I thank you that you have blessed today. Lord, it is a holy day. It is a day set apart. Lord, if you rest and you declare the Sabbath is important, then we should also see the severity of the fourth commandment. Lord, you tell us there are no other gods before you. Lord, you tell us the sin of idolatry and the generational effect it has on our families. Lord, you warn us about misusing your name. And God also, you tell us that today, the Sabbath, Sunday, is our day of worship and focus on you. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here that needs to join our church, maybe they need to respond to you. There's no better day than on a Sunday to respond to you. You created. You came out of the grave on a Sunday. That was day one of creation. It's our day to make you our light. God, we give you this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to be standing down front waiting for you to respond to the gospel. Let's stand together. Beecher's going to lead us in our song. If you want to make a decision tonight, you want to become members of Broadway, you just make your way down front, and uh, we will make that public this evening. All right, Beecher.